live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 18. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by one of the 14 current MLS players to surpass 300 appearances, a player just three assists shy of joining the 50-50 club, 12-year MLS vet, former Iraq international, Columbus crew legend, and current Real Salt Lake left winger, Justin Maram. JM9, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. That was quite the introduction. Um, I don't know about a crew legend, but, you know, I'll take it. What, 38 goals, 33 assists across across seven seasons. That's pretty good, man. That's, I mean, that's decent, I guess. You know the stats better than I do. My son's barking at me right now. He's saying, he's saying, you're right. I am a legend. So, Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Just uh, hanging with the fam. Just another uh, off day Wednesday, golfed in the morning with the boys, and uh, now on daddy duty. So, great off day. What'd you shoot at golf this morning? Man, I was I was playing really well up until about 14 holes. I was 41 on the front. I was plus two after five on the back. And then the last four, I absolutely, I think I'm, I think nine is the only way to go for me. I, I think I'm too old. I don't got the stamina. I doubled on 15, 16, 17, and 18. So I shot an 87. Poor by me. Who did you go with? Zach McMath, Nick Beasler, and Tate Schmidt. So who's the best out of that foursome? Today I had the best score. Um, I think I'm the best, to be honest, out of them, for sure. Okay. All right, so we're just going to hop right into this, Justin. 15 games into the 2022 campaign, and Real Salt Lake sits second in the West and second in the Shield race, just two points back of LAFC. Next up for you guys is the team that drafted you 15th overall in the 2011 MLS Super Draft, my beloved Columbus crew. So before we get into your career, RSL success, the riot being a fortress, and your 2022 season resurgence, let's first talk about the team and city that you called home for seven years, Columbus, Ohio. From 2011 to 2017, you recorded 38 goals, 33 assists, and experienced monumental moments in club history, including the Save the Crew movement, the 2015 MLS Cup final, and so much more on and off the pitch. I'll just start by asking, what does the Columbus Crew organization and city of Columbus in general mean to you and your family? You know, in a nutshell, Columbus means more to me than, you know, it's hard to put into words, to be honest. Um, You know, being there for so long, the team that drafted me, team that gave me a chance, um, how I evolved as a player there. And, you know, the great time I, I spent with, with that group, um, we fell short, but overall it was an unbelievable time in my career that really helped me to where I am today. So I am forever grateful and thankful for the city, the fans, um, my coaches, um, and especially my teammates. Uh, it was just, you know, a place that I I love dearly and, and, you know, I miss at times, but yeah, that's, you know, that's how I feel about Columbus and always will. 
So you said eight years, I said seven. So sorry about that. But there's a lot to unpack from those eight years, a lot of on off the field stuff, a lot of experiences, but what's your favorite memory? And I know there's a lot, but what's your favorite memory from your time spent with the black and gold? It was just like eight amazing years. It's hard to put like one. I, I, w- I would think maybe our run to MLS Cup. I think that was, you know, the first time I ever went to the MLS Cup and just our run to get there and the game in, at home against Montreal to get us to the next round. I remember just that game was back and forth. And I think Kai scoring to make it like 3-2 and – um and then the the home leg against Red Bull, nine seconds in, you know, just that whole run was, was so special. Um, and it was just, if there was VAR today, as there was in 15, obviously Portland's second goal wouldn't have counted. The ball was about three yards out. So if VAR came a little late for us, but um, overall it was just a special run and, and moment for that city to get back to MLS Cup and to host it, you know. Yeah, well, as a Columbus Crew fan, we you know appreciate your service to Columbus and all that you did for the city and for the black and gold. And if you ever want to come back, I know you're 33 and the career is aging, but if you ever want to come back, we're always home to you, man. I mean, age is just a number. I feel better today than I did years ago. So uh, you never know what, what the future holds. All right, well, let's keep it crew. And we have a, a question from a fan, Rat Called AJ on Twitter. It's a heck of a name. Wants to know your funniest peepa story and were you the best ping pong player on the crew? I was pretty good at ping pong, but I think I think Harrison Afo was really good. Um, I remember we had a preseason in um, in Brazil, and basically we had to basically just live in the dorms for 17 days. It was a grueling preseason, but all we had was a ping pong table um, in Sao Paulo, and there was just a lot of battles every night. Um, my favorite Peepa story, Peepa's first day. Let's go to Peepa's first day. This moment, I'll never forget this. So we signed this player named Frederico Iguain. So this is what, two, 2012. Um, and you know, we're all looking up. We all thought we signed Gonzalo Iguain. You know what I mean? At first, like we just knew the last name. I realize his older brother say, all right, you know, typical like MLS, like going to get these names. Um, so, you know, training out on the field at 9.30 or 10 a.m., you know, if you're a minute late or whatever, like it's a fine. And we're huddled up. Coach Robert Warziha is ready to like talk to the group. Like this is what we're doing in training. It just, just the rigorous of like, Every morning, you know exactly what's going to happen right when you get on the field. And people still not in the huddle. I'm like, yo, this is this guy's first day. And he might have been doing physical, showed up like a little late to old bets. And so we're huddling and waiting. And then, you know, have you been to old bets? You've been to old bets, right? So she's just like that one like strip of the sidewalk that like leads you right into the field, you know? So we're like all huddled up right on the grass area. And out this door just comes this like five foot five, five foot six. I don't know how tall Peepa is. Just jogging like five minutes late. And we're like, this is our new DP. I'm like, this is how big this guy is. 
like he's late and it was just like a funny moment they're like all right whatever so then we're like well, let's see how good this is that training we did 5v5 he scored two he scored a bike and a side volley and we were all like holy shit this guy is unbelievable and i was like well thank god i'm not a number 10 or i'd never see the field um so like that moment was like from there on it was like people was just an unbelievable player uh, an unbelievable teammate the nicest guy you know we still stay in touch we had our coaching course um this um his past year together so it was great to you know be with him five days in orlando my second favorite city in america so that was clearly sarcasm <laughs> So, no, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to Orlando in, in just a second. But that's, oh, that's really I cool figured, that you, I, I figured that. That's that's pretty cool that you still stay in touch with Pipa. And you know, that's that's funny. He was five minutes late and he shows up and scores a bike and a side volley. Like, eh, well, show up 30 minutes late, just whatever. Yeah, the side as long as you show up. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and he showed up for many years, trust me. <laughs> so, like I mentioned earlier, you scored 38 regular season goals for the Columbus crew. Do you have a favorite? Regular season or all time? All time. Regular season, I'm going Seattle. In Seattle, the curler, people plays me short corner. And the funny thing about this, um, Greg's first year's coach, I believe. It's the 89th minute, and I'm like, shit, there's one more sub. Like, I'm just going to go to Greg and, like, put on a jersey. Like, he doesn't even call me over. And nobody knows this. And I just, like go over there and I'm like, yo, like there's four minutes left. He's like, all right, let's put you in. So it's one, one at the time, I'm ready to sub in. And he like looks over and he's like, you're going to go score or what? It's like wow, it's four minutes, bro. Like you should have put me in 10 minutes ago. And sure enough, short corner people placed to me, Seattle was kind of, you know, setting up they weren't really you know prepared for it and i kind of took a heavy first touch but it was like a perfect heavy first touch that kind of led me towards goal and the guy was coming to close me down i curled it in and like i remember sprinting across the field like screaming and jumped on greg and like that for me was amazing because that was a year where i that was kind of like where i broke into columbus and started to make a name for myself um but of all time, postseason regular season, it's got to be nine seconds. You know, J9, nine seconds, home playoffs against the Red Bull, who it was like a rival to us. Um, you know, that goal was like, I still see it time and time again. It shows up on social media, and it's just like an amazing goal to watch. The way it bounces, Ethan gets destroyed on the play, and it just falls to my feet and, you know, couldn't write a better start. So following your seven seasons with Columbus, you were traded to your favorite city in America, Orlando City, for upwards yeah. of a million dollars, which still holds as one of the top 11 most expensive trades in MLS history. But before you could really even get settled after just 17 matches with the Lions, you were traded back to Columbus to finish the 2018 season. From a million dollar trade to return to sender in less than a season, Justin, what really happened in Orlando? You know, it started off well and uh, things were going good and you know, pressure was starting to build up, um, you know, for me to score. And then some off-field stuff was starting to happen. And, you know, it was a time where maybe I was a bit immature and, you know, reading everything and let it affect my emotions. But things were getting 
more serious than just Twitter bots. You know what I mean? It was starting to get to another level where it was a bit weird and like, okay, it's just the game kind of thing. Um, you know, but there's pressure that comes with, you know, being traded for that amount of money. And it was the first time I really experienced that side of pressure, you know, pressure to play the game. That's something I love. And that's why I'm still playing, you know, I fiend off that, but pressure, you know, when you get sold for that amount and the expectations and, you know, one thing I realized is, you know, I'm a winger, not a center forward that is supposed to score 20 goals. And, you know, I felt like that was a little bit of the expectations because the price was so high and I was coming off scoring 14 goals with Columbus. And, um, you know, then I finally scored and plugged my ears in front of the fans, kind of like, hey, I score and it just made things way worse. Um so then at the manager or the GM at the time, and this is something, I mean, we're four years past now. Like I'll finally, for your, for your podcast, I'll finally share something that I've never shared before because I just didn't want my agent and everyone felt like just wasn't right to just say it and kind of get traded and, and be gone. But, um, the GM at times said, Hey, look, things are getting, you know, like a little heated. Why don't you like go home for the weekend and don't play in Atlanta? And it was, it was their choice to send me on a leave of absence. And then they would basically said, we'll keep it internal. Nothing will get out. <laughs> the morning I, the morning I, or I leave that day. He meets me up uh, for coffee, and then I book a flight right away, and I pack my stuff and I leave. That that next morning, it's all over all over Twitter, and I'm like, "Well, great! I thought we were going to keep it internal." Well, that night, now that these fans and certain people that were kind of doing, you know, saying some stupid stuff online and. You know, they were serious about it. And that night, my apartment got broken into and stuff was stolen and police report. And I couldn't believe that, like, the team sends me away. It gets released the next morning. That night, um, I think it was like 11 p.m. Eastern time, you know, is when it got word from my apartment and then police were called and contacted by me. So it was like 8 PM by me in San Diego. Um, and then I knew like, okay, something, this isn't good. And so I've never shared that my place got broken into in Orlando. Um, you, you, you're hearing it first, um, you know? And so it was just crazy that, and, and I couldn't get my mind right. And I, and I didn't know how to shake it off. And I kept reading social media and like, it was very difficult to, to shake it off. And I just was so like mentally unstable, you know, and I was going through something that I never went through before. Right. I was in Columbus, my whole career. Right. So this new move is such a change and I'm dealing with this off field stuff and how am I going to play? you know, on the field. So it was, it was hard and it sucked. And, but that's what happened. And, you know, thankfully Greg and Wolf and Pat 
you know, and, um, you know, they all wanted me back and uh, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that's that's terrible that ha- that happened to you, Justin. And and folks, if you're listening to this podcast, these players, they're people too. They have lives that they're living. They have struggles that they're going through. And this was the first big move that Justin Miriam experienced in his career. And, you know, there was some transition period that came with it. And just treat these players like people, folks. And that's the, as simple as I can put it. But Justin, you kind of lead me to my to my next segment here. So you return to Columbus. You were then traded to Atlanta in 2019. Then after one season with the five stripes, you were traded to your current team, RSL. Four teams in four years. For you, that had to have been incredibly difficult, seeing as you were used to the stability and consistent minutes that the crew offered you for seven seasons. How challenging was that period of your career, not just Orlando? Talk to me about how you were able to remain focused and driven on your career throughout that adversity and uncertainty from season to season. Yeah, it was probably the hardest point of my career. Um, the lowest point. I remember even getting traded back from Columbus or from Orlando to Columbus and just not myself that I was. And then at the end of that year, getting surgery on my ankle. And ankle surgeries are never easy. And it was like I had ankle surgery on my other foot back in 2013 so I was much younger recovery was much quicker and I was back to myself um whereas this time it it took a bit longer and I just didn't feel right um you know when Caleb was the coach it just wasn't 100 percent and it was frustrating because it's like you're getting older and you're bouncing around and you're not doing what you used to do. And then you're second guessing yourself. So I'll say my move to Atlanta saved my career. My move to Atlanta saved my career. That was the, one of the most critical points of my career to get me back. Um, I was, you know, finally six months out from my surgery I was starting to get my speed back starting to have no pain in my ankle and they kind of just took a chance they had a lot of injuries at the time and Caleb and company it was it was time for them to go in a different direction with me and it was between LA and Atlanta and I'm so grateful that Pat at the time whoever was in the in the, in the front office, you know, kind of made it work. And, you know, I wanted to get to Atlanta and, and it happened. And, you know, they're under Frank and Bob DeClerc and Orlando Trustful and that group and, and Rob Valentin, uh, Valentino, who, who's there now, and strength coach Jack Kimber. You know, those guys were so good to me and helped me. And, you know, I was just a role player that eventually earned a starting spot and was playing wing back in a position I never played and, and was flourishing. And I was so happy in life. I was enjoying my football. And so that move is the reason why I'm still playing today. I, I really believe that because, you know, once you keep bouncing around it, and it's crazy because once you get traded once, once that door opens, it's like, it's always open. You know, up until that point, like, you know, I was with Columbus for so long. Um, but it, w- it was scary. I-, I thought, you know, my my time was it was coming to an end from, you know, one of the most expensive trades in MLS to, you know, nothing a year later. Mm, that's crazy. Justin, thank you for sharing all that, man. 
So from uncertainty to irregular and Pablo Mastroni starting 11, RSL feels like home. And as a JM9 fan, you absolutely love to see it. You have already started in 15 matches so far this season, which is tied for your most starts in the season since 2017 with the crew. You are well on pace to surpass your season highs and goal contributions over the last four seasons with five through 15. And you look confident, clean, and dangerous every time you get on the ball. From coaching to tactics to mentality, how have these three things attributed to your 2022 resurgence with RSL? I'll tell you what, um, Pablo and Matt Taylor and Brett, you know, our coaches here have, have just been so good to me. They know my ability. They know what, you know, how to use me in the right way. And they've just given me a lot of confidence and, and confidence is a crazy thing. Um, you know, I came in um, the most fit, um, you know, I ever was up to like a preseason passing the fitness to having COVID before preseason had to miss the first few days came in. I was like, yes, I don't have to run the six minute test. And he's like, Nope, you got to run it. Um, you know, and I ran it and passed it and was super fit. And, you know, obviously with the departure of Rusnak um, and Anderson Julio early on, you know, there was, and, you know, not bringing in many pieces early on, um, you know, that, that spot was there and I was used as a, as a uh, bench player coming off the bench um, in that playoff run, you know, last year was me coming off the bench and being a spark. And it, that's kind of how I started in, in my career in Columbus. And it, it was something I knew what to, how to, how to do it. Yeah. So, you know, when Pablo was the coach and, and you know, he wanted me to stay on the team and, and we made it happen. Um, to sign another, you know, two-year deal at RSL, it was amazing for me and my family. Um, but they just gave me a lot of a lot of confidence, and you know, I'm rolling with it. I'm kind of playing in a deeper role at times, and um, I feel like my old self, you know. Uh, and you know, my teammates see it, and I'm just super confident, and you know, I'm loving where I'm at, and. This is a place where, where the fans, the coaches, my teammates, like everything is 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 going so good. And, I, you know, I couldn't be happier at the locker room. So much fun. You know, every day it's just a joy to be around these guys and we'd laugh and laugh. And it's it's a reminder of, you know, kind of my locker room in the early years with Columbus, you know, with Eric Garrig and Josh Williams and Cole Grossman and, you know, just a bunch of Chad. Danny, Hesmer, you know, all those guys that we all still talk to. And, um, I just had to drop out of the fantasy football league because I was in too many with those guys. But, um, you know, just that, those are amazing locker rooms. And I have one here in RSL. So it makes things, you know, on the field, you know, that much better when you win together. That's awesome. So you mentioned playing a little bit deeper. So not only are you having a really good year in the attack, you're also playing a huge role defensively in Pablo's balanced and organized 4-4-2 system. Talk to me about Pablo's expectations from his wide players on both sides of the ball. You know, he, he really demands, um, you know, a lot from us, but he, he realizes when, you know, when attackers can defend really, really well and defend, defend high up, you know, makes a job for, you know, the midfielders, the pivots and the back line. So, 
you know, we're a team, you know, and a little bit reminds me of Columbus. You know, we're just a hardworking team. We roll up our sleeves. We can play if we want to, and we can outwork you. Um, and we're not a team with, with huge superstars. Uh, and it's two very similar clubs. And I think that, you know, defending is one through 11. And um, when one doesn't, you know, work at the same rate as everybody else, um, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be successful. So, you know, we're a, a team where, you know, we can roll our sleeves up and defend, you know, higher up in a lower block, but um, we all understand our role and it's to attack together and to defend together. And I think that's, what's made us so successful. So one thing I like to do with all the players I have on the show is to break down a recent goal involvement of theirs for you. Let's break down goal number 50, huge goal for you. In the 52nd minute of your recent match versus Vancouver, Pablo Ruiz played you an absolute dime. You took one touch, slotted it back stick past the keeper, and the rest is history. Goal number 50. But there's a lot more that went into it than that, I'm sure. From your perspective, how did you see that play unfold? And what did it mean to you to score goal number 50 in your MLS career? He, he played a great ball, and I saw the defender was, you know, starting to – getting the right position and I came from his backside and I don't think he saw me. And as he was chesting it, I read um, that he wasn't going to clear and kind of just, um, you know, anticipated the ball landing, you know, inside the box. And I took a touch off my thigh and kind of opened my hips up to show I was going far post and just kind of snuck it near post. Um, that was just a great heads up goal um on the road you know down one zero um so just one glad I could kind of get my second goal of the year and give me some confidence scoring goals goal number 50 though man you've been in the league for 12 seasons did you ever think on draft day that you would make it to 50 goals and you're probably going to hit 50 assists this year yeah it's pretty you know it's pretty surreal I kind of want to get to that 50 50 mark before I kind of like think about the goals. I love being a playmaker and I really, you know, pride myself on that. And, you know, this is the first time in my career I'm actually taking set pieces. So I wonder if I got to take set pieces, you know, you know, throughout my career where I'd be at, but I really love setting up guys and, you know, hopefully I can do that this weekend. Speaking of set pieces, I was just doing a little bit of JM nine research before hopping on the podcast and I just typed your name in YouTube. And the first thing that came up was, like your first day of training with the Columbus crew after being drafted, they were talking to you about like what music you were listening to. And it was like Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, and then the fray, which was a little questionable. Um, but then they, they asked you who your favorite player was. The fray was because of D.O. Danny Rourke loved the fray. And like being a rookie, you kind of just latch on to these veterans and D.O. loved that kind of music. But I mean, yeah, shoot me now if I have to listen to that stuff. <laughs> All right. So I'll ask you now, what is like, what is your go-to song now? Or go to music now. We go to Spotify, go to Discovery, whatever plays. I'm just whatever the new music that I that I like. I don't know. Just some. Um, I'm all over the place. So I was looking through RSL TikTok as well, and your guys' social media manager, admin, whatever, asked you guys if you listened to the new Drake album. If you liked it, have you done it? Have you listened to it? Have you liked it? Nothing. Don't even know one song. Too busy, and I got a pregnant wife. I got a son. I'm trying to lower my handicap in golf, and I'm trying <laughs> to, you know, win games. 
you know, music, I used to listen to so much music, especially when I traveled internationally. And now it's like, I rarely listen to music. I'm super busy off the field with, with um, work, like outside of soccer and, you know, golf <laughs> family. <laughs> so like, I kind of take a step back from music, to be honest. Okay. So where I was going with that, with that interview was they asked you who your favorite player was and you said Cristiano and you want to, you know, eventually take free kicks like Cristiano. And now you're taking free kicks. And after your 50th, you threw the Cristiano celebration. Dude, I don't know why I did the celebration. It just, I have no idea. It's pretty funny. Um, it just came to my mind and I was like, all right, let me do a little CR7 action here in Vancouver. Uh, I think like I'm in a like, cousin's chat on WhatsApp and, you know, they always like hate on Cristiano and praise Messi, but I'm like, Messi can't even score in a farmer league and, and he's with the best team in PSG and here Ronaldo at 37 is still doing it. So shout out to all you Ronaldo haters, but uh, I still love him and love what he's about. For sure. So you talked a little bit earlier about what makes RSL great. You talked about the vibes in the locker room and just the togetherness of that team in general, but I'll let you just reiterate on that a little bit further. So you guys are off to the best start in club history. You're two points off the top in the shield standings. You're the only unbeaten team at home in 2022. Like how do you guys continue to, and this was just a quote from Twitter, beat the odds and just keep winning. I don't know. We don't get enough credit the way we play. It's like, it's always like they're just talking about our hard work. But if you see the way we, you know, create chances and, and you know, Rubio had an unbelievable chance in the game and just the way we, you know, created that chance with me coming across and getting the ball from Brody and driving and Saba and Saba does a great move to get free and cross a perfect ball. And it's like we still play great soccer football however you want to call it and um we're not only hard work we can do it if that's what the game asks but we can also play if that's what the game asks as well so I think for us we're just we have the ability to you know play multiple ways it's not going to be you know Greg Berhalter Columbus 90 minutes you know and even then we used to go long at times to Kai and play off that and um, and I think that's what's making us good here is if we need to go long, we got big bodies and we go long when the second balls and they're going to drop off, which Columbus might do. And a lot of teams do early on here because of the altitude and it's hard to press us. You know, we're going to find gaps to play and we have creative players to play and, and play through teams. So you, you brought up Columbus and one of the biggest knocks on Columbus is just the, the predictable style of play, the predictable patterns that Columbus. Well, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not on their team anymore to make it unpredictable. It's, yeah, you have that level of unpredictability. So, just relating that back to Pablo and his system, and your guys is four four two. Like, do you guys go into you know training and games like, okay, this is our style of play, this is our our patterns of play, or are you guys just going out there and doing your thing, playing what's given to you? We always work on things we need two going into the week against the opponent how's the opponent you know lining up back three back four you know are they high pressing is are they a high pressing team or so we do have our tactics but we also have our you know where Pablo is a great manager and he lets us you know do our thing and he doesn't really want to micromanage you know every player and joystick every player in the field and 
um, lets it lets it flow, and it, that's what I love about Pablo as a coach is he has his standards and his tactics, and especially defensively. And when we get into offensive third, it's we have enough creative, smart um, individual players that you know, as a collective, when we're all out there, you know, things happen and. Like I said, we're, we have so much fun off the field that on the field, it's like we know each other just as well and we know each other's tendencies and movements. So so seven straight sellouts to start 2022 at Rio Tinto Stadium. What's it like playing and winning in front of those fans in Sandy, Utah? Yeah, this year has been amazing. Um, better than you know any year I've had here. Obviously, COVID came basically a month after I was on the team. So... You know, for those two years, it was like the world was a mess, let alone, you know, like playing in front of no fans or, you know, limited capacity. So now that, you know, all that's behind us, um, it's just remarkable to see the energy that, you know, this fan base has. And, you know, it's the first year that I'm really getting to experience it, even though I've been here for my third season. So, um Amazing people, amazing fans, you know, they come and support us and, you know, I love it. Looking forward to this match versus the Columbus crew this weekend. Just three guys from that 2017 team remain with the black and gold. Josh Williams, Jonathan Mensa. Yeah, Josh Williams, Jonathan Mensa, Pedro Santos. What's your relationship with those guys like? And has there been any banter leading up to this game? Uh, no, I mean, Pedro and Mensa, you know, guys I have the utmost respect for, you know, don't really speak to them much, um, you know, whether it's maybe a, a hello or a comment on, you know, on their social pages. Um, but two amazing people off the field, um, a lot of respect and love for those guys. You know, we, we, we played together for, for some years. Um, Josh is one of my best friends um, in the game. Someone that I, you know, love and care about, you know, dearly uh, he's like a brother to me and um so i'll see him um you know we talk every day he, we're in a group chat um that pops off every day if you're if you're not by your phone for a few hours there's there's a lot of messages and a lot of laughters and uh i made a joke that i can't probably repeat here um to josh and he, he laughed about getting together i told him i was busy because I was getting together with Caleb um, <laughs> instead. No, I was just kidding. I'll see him after the game. We'll be good to good to catch up with with Josh. For sure. Any closing thoughts for RSL fans who are listening? For RSL fans or Columbus fans? Either or. Forgot the Columbus fans. How can I forget them, man? Either fan base. Nah, just two great fan base. It's gonna be an exciting game. You know, obviously, RSL is gonna win the game. But um, I would love to score, but I would never celebrate against Columbus. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be 2-0. J9 gets a goal, doesn't celebrate. And I enjoy the night with my family and Josh. Cool. Well, cool. Other than the part that you think RSL is going to win 2 now, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm cheering for you. Hopefully you get a goal, but hopefully the crew get too. Uh, but Justin, thanks for hopping on MLS Gone Wild, man. It's been a pleasure. You're an MLS podcast, not a Columbus podcast. So you can't be 
I, I rooting share... against the guy that's on your podcast. I know, I know, I know. I'm rooting for you. You're, you got a fan of me. You've always had a fan of me. One thing I didn't disclose is, man, me and one of my best friends growing up, so we graduated high school in 2011, the year that you were drafted to Columbus Crew, and the season leading up to us leaving for college in the summer, we were the biggest Justin Merrim fanboys. Um, and you were just getting substitute right. minutes in those first six months leading up to, and, you know, I was, we were huge fans of JM nine. I remember watching you in the big 10 tournament with Michigan and I was just yeah. blown away with your one V one ability and how good you were. And I was blown away and ecstatic when the Columbus crew drafted you. So yeah, you got a fan of me, but I, yeah, I'm an MLS podcast, but you see the flag behind me, man. I know, I know, I see it. No, I'm very thankful that I still got, you know, fans like yourself supporting me, um, you know, more than Morgan Hughes would ever do in Columbus. But, uh, Ooh, gosh. <laughs> Morgan Hughes, what a name, huh? Yeah, that's that's crew Twitter. That's crew Twitter. I, I met him once or twice out in the bar. I bought him one of the worst shots of his life. That was just my appreciation for all the great things he has to say about me. Uh, don't listen to those guys, man. Listen to guys like nah, me that are fans. Morgan's a, Morgan's a, you know, he's a crew diehard. So I, I love those people. You know, I love people that support Columbus through and through. Amazing city, amazing club. You know, it's amazing to see what the what the club's doing now with, with the new owners and the training field and the stadium. And I just hope I can play in the stadium and, play in Columbus again before I retire, whenever that may be, hopefully not for, for a little bit, but um, yeah, just so much love for all the fans and people of Columbus. You're the man, Justin. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 18, featuring crew legend and current RSL winger Justin Marum. Be sure to tune into his match versus the team that drafted him 12 seasons ago this Saturday on ESPN Plus at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. RSL look to continue their home unbeaten streak to 8 in 2022. Until next time, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Check out my guest feature on the Royal Riot pod this week as well. And please take care of yourselves and one another. Peace.